You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. So glad you're all here this morning. Um, God is here. So first and foremost, we're thankful, thankful he joined us and uh, he showed up. Are you guys not thankful for the worship team just leading us into the presence of the Lord? Yeah, let's show them love. I'm sure they're uh, replenishing their, their waters right now or something or their coffees, but so thankful for the worship team that God has pulled together, the, the army of worshipers that he's gathering together in our church. I believe it is for such a time as this, truly in my heart of hearts. Thursday night, I actually met with our, our elder team and uh, we talked about many things, but one thing that the Lord has been stirring in my heart recently is that the things that he wants to do in the days to come will defy wisdom. And... And I know in my heart of hearts that the worship team is in tune with that. And that's why they are so submitted and yielded to the Lord in our times of worship, where uh, they can flow with God and flow with the Spirit as, as, as to where he's leading. And, and that can be a scary thing um, when you don't know the people and the integrity that they walk in. But I, I want to attest to you that uh, the people that are leading us in worship are people of integrity, people that are lovers of Jesus first. They're worshipers when no one else is around. Uh, they're worshipers of Jesus. And so uh, I'm excited about the days to come. Uh, I'd much rather be a part of a family of God that's entrusted, that's trusting Jesus and surrendered to him than something that is predictable and cookie cutter and, and um, yeah, so, and, and void of any power. So, I'm going there, and I'm so thankful for the worship team uh, that the Lord has, has blessed us with. Um, I love this time of year, right? Come on, the buzz in the city. This is such an amazing time in Ames. As we're starting this semester, um, as the school year comes around, we always love to invite in friends. And I do say that on purpose. Uh, I would maybe be tempted to say guest speakers, but these are friend speakers. These are speakers that are friends of mine. Therefore, they're friends of you all as well. Uh, over these next several months through this school year, we will be bringing in different voices that I believe uh, God has uh, really connected us with to speak into our church family. So pray that you've come expectant. Our guest this morning, our friend this morning is Pastor Steve Pavic from Alaska, leads a, a team of missionaries reaching college students on the campus of University of Alaska Anchorage, and he is a dear friend of mine. I entrust this microphone only to people that I, I know walk with the Lord and have something to share with you all. But beyond that, uh, literally this summer, I entrusted Steve with my life. Uh, I entrusted him. Well, he, he corrected me first service that I thought it was 20 miles out of the ocean on an inflatable Zodiac, but in fact, it was 40 miles. And so he duped me, and I was just a gullible guy that went around, along for the ride, and he brought me back safely. So I entrusted him with my life. Now I'm entrusting him with the mic, and I know he's going to, uh, he's going to fill you this morning with, with, the, with God's word. So would you stand to your feet and welcome our friend, Pastor Steve Pavic. Hey, I am so excited to be at LifePoint this morning, and yes, I did drag your pastor out onto the ocean 40 miles in an inflatable, 14-foot inflatable raft. Uh, he forgot that part, the length. It was not a big boat. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, I think sometimes pastors get a bad rap for being, you know, kind of soft, you know, and like, this guy is not soft, all right? We were busting three-foot chop 
about, for about 15 straight miles. And I was like, guys, we can turn around any time. We're getting sprayed by ocean spray. Uh, at any point, a whale could just jump on the boat. We'd all die. Uh, and, and he's like, no, keep your eyes on the prize, Steve. Let's keep rolling. There's fish to catch. And he caught a lot of salmon. So had a lot of fun with you guys this summer. Uh, you guys, I want you to know that LifePoint has it really, really good. Uh, Drew and Tony, the rest of this team, you guys have some of the finest pastors. And I'm not just saying this. I really do mean this. You guys have some of the finest pastors here in the nation that are tried and true, have proven themselves with fruit. And uh, they, when they get up and preach, they're not just talking the talk. They really are walking the walk. Uh, my life is a testimony of that. I'm in ministry today because of Tony's influence. I'm in ministry today because of Drew's influence back when he was a student at North Dakota State University and I was just this wee little freshman. Uh, and he was a cool senior. And, uh, and I'm in ministry today because of, of, some, of the, some of their influence. And so uh, just understand that. But we are uh, uh, missionaries in Alaska. My wife's name is Erin. She's right here in the front row. Uh, she'd love to meet you. And I don't know if you guys know this, but LifePoint Church uh, supports our ministry in Alaska. Seven years ago, we went to Alaska to plant Chi Alpha on the campus of UAA. And the Lord has moved. We've watched... The Lord uh, baptized a uh, hundred students and see dozens baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, we've seen students get sent as missionaries to Russia, to India. Uh, God's been doing a really, really cool thing on the campus of UAA. And so thank you for being part of that. Thank you for sending us. But about three, four years ago, the Lord started to speak to us about wanting to use college ministry to impact every single corner of the state, not just the college campus, but also the rural places of Alaska as well. And there is a large chunk of Alaska that does not have roads accessible to it. And so uh, there are villages, hundreds of villages in rural Alaska, and many of them are in need of a consistent gospel witness. And so the Lord started to speak to us about how uh, he would want to use college ministry to impact those places in Alaska. We have a video to show uh, just a little bit about what the Lord has been up to in Alaska and what he's been doing in order to equip people to go to these places. So go ahead and roll that video.
So about four or five years ago, I got a call from a friend up on the north slope of Alaska, a county the size of the state of Minnesota with 8,000 people living in it, all right? And he said, Steve, do you have any Kyle alumni that are looking for teaching jobs? Because we have nine teacher openings in the village of Nowixit next year. The village of Nowixit only has 11 teacher positions, Nine of them were open, and this is actually a consistent thing across a lot of Alaska. And the village of Nuiqsit happens to have not had a pastor in it now for almost 15 years. And so this light bulb went off in our brains. We said, well, what if, right? What if some Chi Alpha alumni who were missionally focused, who had a degree, who were in a stage in their life where they could go and do something crazy, right, could go into this place as not just teachers, but as marketplace missionaries. We would send fully funded missions teams, their salaries paid by the school district, housing provided by the school district, into a place where they had relational access to every single student in the village, a reason to be there other than just being the great missionary guide who's going to come and save all of and fix all of their problems, right? And an ability to be able to have influence in that place. And so we thought, well, that sounds like a pretty good idea. It sounds like God might be in that. And so we started this initiative about two years ago. Eight students came up to do our first year of a 10-month training in order to get them ready to be cross-cultural missionaries. And they just landed boots on the ground in the villages of Tuliksak and Akachuk. Those are real names. I'm not making those up. And they just got there, and the missions team in Tuliksak is getting ready to launch just a, like a small, small group in-home Bible study, a home church, essentially, becoming connected to that community. And to our knowledge, there's not been a pastor in that community for over a decade. And there's going to be a home church there this year based off of this ministry model. Isn't that awesome? Give God praise for that. And I want you to know that this church, LifePoint Church, has been a part of that. In fact, these places are very difficult to get to. You fly into a village hub, which is relatively affordable. And then in order to get out to these second flight villages is incredibly expensive. And so one of the things that we wanted to purchase this year was a snowmobile or snow machine, as we call them in Alaska, in order to have access to these missionaries, to drive them groceries, to help Go out there and encourage them, resource them, and help just make sure that they are staying uh, obviously encouraged and well-equipped. And uh, LifePoint Church helped buy a snowmobile for us to ship to Bethel, and we're getting ready to ship that sometime this month. So thank you so much for being part of this mission, sending Marketplace missionaries. Yeah, come on. That's you guys. So thank you so much for being part of this. So we're going to jump into the Word this morning, and this morning's message is, is kind of similar to, to what I just got done talking about with Marketplace Missions. I believe this, that every single person, whether you're called to the rural places of Alaska or you're called to Ames, Iowa, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have been called to make disciples and be a missionary in your own hometown and in your life. Do we agree with that? 
Jesus has said, go forth, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There was no, like, like, you know, disclaimer on that statement. There was no caveat. He did not say, unless you're not credentialed, or he did not say, unless you have not, you don't feel equipped, or unless you don't have a position or title or leadership spot at your church. He said, if you're a follower of me, you are called to go make disciples. But in order to do that, I believe all of us need to adopt what I would call a cross-cultural missions mentality. Because even in the city of Ames, Iowa, there are people who do not share your worldview. Living in your house, there are people who do not have the same worldview than you, Right? If you are a parent and you have kids, your kids are growing up with a different worldview and paradigm than you grew up with because they're part of a different generation. In fact, there are people in your house speaking a different language than you. And so I'm going to give you a quick little Gen Z language lesson in here. Is that okay? I work with college students and every single year I need to learn new English words. All right. So I'm going to give you one, and if you have grandkids or you have kids, I want you to use it on them today, all right? It's going to freak them out. They won't know what hit them, all right? This word, this new word, one of the newest words that I've been hearing on my college campus is this word, bet. Everyone say it with me. Ready? One, two, three. Bet. All right? You're like, Steve, I know that word. I know what that means. You shouldn't talk about betting in church, right? No, 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 it's not that. This word is kind of weird and it's gotten used in a completely different way. We might say, oh, you bet, you know, or in Minnesota, oh, yeah, sure, you betcha, you know. <laughs> no, 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 if you say that, you're not cool. That's the opposite. You're moving in the opposite direction, all right? Bet simply means yes. In fact, if you were just to replace the word yes or yep or sure with bet, you're using it correctly. But you kind of got to say it like bet, all right? If you don't, you know, if you don't, uh, if you don't, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a, a tonal language, all right? So you need to make sure that you use it correctly. So if they ask you, hey, are we going to go out to eat after church? You just say bet, all right? It'll freak them out. And in fact, they probably will never use that word ever again for as long as they live. They'll tell their kids about it. You guys, you guys, you, we need to stop using the word bet. My parent used it. It's done. It's dead. All right? It's dead. It's kind of like social media. Social media is cool for kids until their parents are on that form of social media, and then they'll move to a different form of social media, right? Anyways, the point I'm trying to make is that we are all dealing with different cultures and worldviews. Your coworkers, neighbors, are going to probably have a different worldview than you, and we need to make a decision whether or not we are going to go and gain understanding and be a good missionary and actually try to understand where they're coming from or whether we're just going to be frustrated with them, stick our heels in, and just kind of be that stick-in-the-mud person who says, well, just because you don't think like me, then I, I guess we don't really have anything in common. If Ames, Iowa is going to come to know Jesus, it is going to require every single person in this room to become a missionary to Ames, Iowa. Amen? And there was a dude who was really, really good at this, and his name was Paul. And we read about him in the book of Acts. And we're going to turn to Acts 17 today to learn about and learn a couple key pointers from Paul as to how to be cross-cultural missionaries. 
And so it says this in verse 16 of chapter 17. It says, While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see the city was full of idols. So he reasoned. Everybody say reasoned. He reasoned in the, in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as with the mark, in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him into the meeting at the Areopagus where they said to him, may we know what this teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we would like to know what they mean. All of the Athenians and foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting at the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, now, now watch what he does here. I see that in every way you are very religious. Did he say, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are really stupid. I see that in every way you have no idea what I'm talking about and you need to shape up or ship out. No. He says, I see that in every way you are very religious for I have walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship. I even found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant about the very thing you worship and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. And Paul goes on and he uses that little snippet as a way to build a bridge to contextualize the gospel in a way that makes sense to the Greek people living in the city of Athens. My friends, there are people in your life who will not darken the door of a church in Ames, Iowa today or maybe ever, right? Unless somebody can contextualize the gospel for them in a way that makes sense for them to have a desire to want to serve Jesus. And I believe that we're called to do this. So what can we learn from Paul? There's four things this morning I want to share with you. The first one is that in order to be a cross-cultural missionary in our own hometown, we need to be concerned. It says that Paul was distressed when he saw the Greek gods and the idols in the city. Paul did, could have just, he was on a, he was actually, if you read in the context, he was actually kind of on a layover. He was getting ready to go somewhere else. And he could have just sat there and been like, you know, I'm just going to take some time off. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm just going to kind of relax because it's been a really long day. It's been a really long season. It's been a really long month. And I'm just going to chill for a little while. Whatever's happening here, I have people to go see. I have things to do and a lot on my plate. So I'm just going to kind of focus on me in this season. But no, no, no. Paul, wherever he went, he was constantly concerned about the spirit spiritual well-being of those that he was around. My friends, we are called to be bothered by what bothers God, to be concerned by what concerns the Lord, to love what God loves and hate what God hates. That's what we're called to do as followers of him. And my friends, I know this, is that God desperately loves the people of Ames, Iowa. And he is incredibly concerned about the fact that there are people in Ames, Iowa who do not know him. And are we concerned in the same way? 
I remember when I was a freshman in college, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then that night, I remember praying and crying over the fact that people did not know Jesus. That evening, the Holy Spirit broke something in Steve that would forever change my life because it was the first time that I ever cared enough about lost people to actually weep over their spiritual situation that they were finding themselves in. If we're not concerned about lost people, we will never become missionaries to those lost people. Because that compelled Paul to do the second thing that I believe he wants to teach us this morning, and that is that we need to go gain understanding. He reasoned with them and he started talking with people in the synagogues. He went to the marketplace and day by day had conversations with people. But we're, this, is, this is difficult for us to do, right? You see, what we have to understand is that when people don't understand the gospel, when they're far away from Jesus, and we're, we're kind of like, I have a diagram to show you. You can put that first diagram up. The church is on one side of this big chasm and the rest of the world is on the other side of that chasm. And they have a hard time seeing a cross and seeing why in the world would I ever cross this really big, scary gorge? Because I have no idea. I don't really necessarily understand what's on the other side. And so what we've tried to do as a church a lot of times is we stand on our side of the gorge and we just get a really big megaphone. You can put that next picture up. And we shout at the world, right? And we say, hey, come to church. Ah, oh, I can't come to church but we have the coolest graphics and we got really cool music and Tony got a new pair of glasses and he looks really cool when he stands right here, right? And all of that stuff is really, really awesome. But my friends, it's not attracting people in, right? If, we are a, if we're an attraction-based church, we, we struggle to help people understand why in the world would I come? But you see, in order to allow people to see why I value Jesus in my life, I need to invite them into my life. And so what we need to do, you can put that next picture up. We need to allow, well, bef yeah, go to the next one. Actually, there it is. Because you see, you got to understand that our world has been decreasing in biblical literacy with every generation. Our world has been, uh, the, the Christian church has kind of gotten all of a sudden pulled into politics somehow and has convoluted everything and made it really messy. And nobody really understands what the church stands for anymore and who this Jesus guy really actually is. And let's be honest, some of us in here are guilty of, of clouding the cloud and making the cloud thicker based off of what we post on our social media every once in a while. As if somehow by me posting what I think on social media is going to somehow change the minds of somebody else. My friends, social media just becomes an echo chamber. And that doesn't work. No, I don't know a single person that's like, you know, I was... I was following the ways of the world and then I read a really compelling argument on Facebook and now I'm serving Jesus. That's never happened, right? You see, Paul did not shout and say, hey, you Athenians, you're stupid for thinking the way you think. If you had half a brain, you would think the way I think. I'm going to go, I'm going to post on Facebook and I'm going to, uh, you will not believe what I saw in Athens today. No, 
He went in to the marketplace. He reasoned with them day by day. He under, started to understand how they think and why they think the way they think. You see, Paul crossed the trench. You can put that next diagram up. He went in to the people he gained and gained access to the people with building relationship with people to gain understanding. My friends, this is actually a lot simpler than what we would maybe realize it's just about spending time with people. I remember when we were first starting uh, this whole initiative to send missionaries to rural Alaska. I'm not Alaskan native. I'm not Yupik and Nupiak, Athabaskan, Denian and Clinkit, Haida. I'm not any of those. I have, none, I have a whole lot of white guy in Steve, all right? And so for me to be able to gain understanding of what was actually needed in the village, I called up my friend Jimmy, who is a pastor, who is Yupik, who lived in Kotlik, Alaska. In order to fly to Jimmy and back to Anchorage, it was $975. There are no cars in Kotlik. They got indoor plumbing 10 years ago. We landed, we said, Jimmy, we'd like to come and spend time with you. He goes, why? I said, because we just want to learn, Jimmy. So what do you want to learn? I said, we just want to spend time with you. That's all we want to do. He goes, okay. He says, Steve, no one comes here. When are you coming? I said, well, we'd like to come next week. He goes, it's February. No one comes in the winter. So sure enough, we get off the plane in Kotlik, Alaska. We grab, we, literally the pilot gets out, throws our stuff on the gravel runway. Jimmy's waiting for us with a sled behind his snow machine. We throw our stuff on his sled and I bundle up and we snow machine all the way back to Jimmy's house. <laughs> Brutally cold. And for the next three days, we sat at Jimmy's table listening to stories about how he sees the gospel in his spear hunting. And I was like, this makes sense to me. You have contextualized the gospel in a way that makes sense to you. And I sat at his table as I ate dried pike and dried salmon and dried seal. And we dipped everything in seal oil and we ate it, right? And he would look at me and he's like, Steve, you got to eat more seal oil. Otherwise, you're going to keep getting cold outside. <laughs> and we joked together and we laughed together. But in those moments, I gained understanding of the Yupik people. And I gained understanding of a little bit more about who Jimmy was and who his people are in order to give them what they actually need in a way that they actually understand rather than just me saying, well, let me tell you how I think and how you should think. My friends, the same thing is true about your coworkers. You see, once we've gained understanding, then we can start to do the next thing that Paul teaches us, which is to find the bridge points. Paul found common ground. I can just about imagine him walking through town, kind of looking around, distressed by all these idols, and he walks by this idol with an inscription on it that says, to an unknown God. And he probably just read that, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to use this, right? Like, I can use this. And so he grabs a hold of that, and he says, listen, my friends, I saw this idol to an unknown God and I'm about to tell you who that unknown God is. And that unknown God that you have not been aware of up until this point is not just a God, he is the God and that God sent his son Jesus to die for you on a cross. He found the bridge point, but that bridge point was not possible except 
through relationship. I believe this is that the context of the gospel for relationship in America needs to be friendship and relationship. People will not care how much you know or what you know until they know how much you care about them. I remember uh, three years ago, I had a privilege of we were helping people move into the dorms and uh, this dude named Isaac gets out of a cab and uh, he grabs his two suitcases and his backpack. I walk up to him like, hey man, do you need help moving into the dorms? He goes, oh, just two, I just got two things, it's fine. And I said, well, let me take one of them for you. I said, where are you from? He said, California. I said, oh, how long have you lived in Alaska? And he looked at his watch and he said, well, about 20, 25 minutes, right? He'd just gotten there. I said, you, have you ever been to Alaska before? He said, no, this is my first time. I said, well, what brought you from California to Alaska? And he said, oh, I figured I got to go to college somewhere. I might as well do it in a place where I can have some adventure. And I heard the word adventure and I said, ha ha, I can use that, all right? Because I like to adventure. And so I said, you know, Isaac, uh, as I moved his stuff into his dorms, I said, Isaac, I'm actually going fishing tomorrow. If you're interested, I'd love to take you fishing with me. I'm just going to buzz south of town here a little ways and uh, go try to catch some silver salmon. And his eyes got really big and he goes, are you serious? Oh, I would love to come. I did not think, I didn't think I'd have an opportunity to do something like this within 24 hours of landing in Alaska. And so I said, sure, I'll pick you up. I got extra gear. And so I picked Isaac up and we went fishing that night. And I got a picture of our first fishing uh, trip together. Here's me and Isaac. We didn't catch anything. It was really depressing, all right? But I was like, I made sure to like pack my gun right on my side so he really thought like, like yeah, we are out there, right? <laughs> and on the way back, as we were hiking back to our truck, I got to ask Isaac about his life, ask him his story, and then he asked me my story, and I can't really tell my story without talking about Jesus. And so I told him about what Jesus had done in my life, and then I asked him about kind of what, what his spiritual journey had been like throughout his life, and he shared a little bit about, uh, man, his, his family had gone to church a couple times, but really I started to realize that this young man didn't really know Jesus at all whatsoever. And I'm going to leave this story there as we move into the next point. But before we do, I want you to understand that being a cross-cultural missionary is not as hard as what you'd think it would be. You don't need to teach a long class on what it means to follow Jesus. Really what it starts with is you having an extra fishing pole in your truck or an extra seat on your boat when you're about to go fishing. Or maybe it's an extra, just an extra little bit of pot roast in the crock pot so that you have the ability to invite somebody to your house after church. It might be an extra seat on the couch as you're watching the Cyclones play football, an extra flipper as you are tailgating. I don't know, right? It's so simple. It's just allowing a little bit of extra margin and space for you to have time to have one more friend come into your life. And that's what building a bridge is all about. You can put that next diagram up. You see, when the, we build a bridge to relationship, we bring people above that cloud of misconception. And the more they see Jesus in our lives, the more they are able to see that Jesus is clearly somebody that I actually want to serve. 
but they need to see it in you. And eventually, you get them to the end of the bridge, and it is up to them to build the rest, to make the decision. And that's the fourth and final point, is that we need to guide people to the point of decision. I am not talking to this morning about trying to be so relevant and water down the gospel. What I'm talking about is that we need to give people a clear enough picture of Jesus that they want to make a decision to follow him and give them their life. Notice at the end of this passage, if you read on, some people became followers of Jesus and some people walked away. That was not up for Paul to decide. He simply needed to guide them to that point of decision. You see, my friends, the world is looking for people who actually believe what they say they believe. And if you believe it, that your life is different because of it and you live by it. And the gospel becomes attractive to people when you, by living by it, you make a, it, ha, it actually makes a difference in your life. And because it makes a difference in your life, it makes a difference to the world. If the world can see that, it'll be clear that Jesus is somebody worth following. So we'll fast forward back to Isaac's story. A little while after going fishing, Isaac came to Chi Alpha for the first time, and the worship team can come back up. Isaac came to Chi Alpha for the first time, and uh, he heard the gospel, but still wasn't ready to make a decision for the gospel. He got plugged into a small group, started attending a small group for about four weeks, but still wasn't ready to really make a decision. He was still trying to figure this out. Boards kept getting put on that bridge. And about a month and a half after meeting him at dorm move-ins that day on campus, Isaac came to our fall retreat. And on the last night of fall retreat, he came up to me. He said, Steve, I feel like I'm ready to make a decision to follow Christ. And I got to pray with Isaac to receive Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And over the course of the next three years, I got to journey with Isaac as he learned what it meant to actually become a follower of Jesus. And I got another picture of Isaac and me. This was on his wedding day this summer. I got to officiate his wedding. He married an incredibly godly woman. And Isaac felt, has felt called now to go into ministry. He's working as a software engineer currently in Anchorage, Alaska, paying off his student debt so that eventually he and his wife, Melissa, can enter the mission field and become pastors. And I want you to know that it started with a fishing pole and an extra set of waders. That's all it took. It's actually way simpler than what we make it sometimes. We just need to have margin in our lives to say, God, help me be a bridge builder. Help me contextualize the gospel in a way that makes sense to my coworkers, neighbors, friends, family that doesn't know you. If you could stand with me in this place as we close, I wanna give us a chance to respond. If you are here today and you say, I wanna be a cross-cultural missionary, I want to have influence on those around me. I want to start being a bridge builder for those who do not know Jesus. I just want to challenge you to do two things this morning. Number one is that in the next few moments, you would pray a prayer and say, God, help me be concerned. Not concerned in a way that would compel me to complain, but would compel me to be compassionate. 
Help me be concerned about the people in my life that do not know Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's gonna answer that prayer. He's gonna break some things in your heart a little bit. And I believe that maybe he's going to, he's gonna put some people on your mind, a coworker on your mind that you're like, uh-oh, yeah, I need to start praying for that person. Ask him to be concerned and then ask him for a creative way to put the first board in that bridge. So those two simple things. And I believe that if you do that this morning, he's gonna give you concern for someone specific in your life and something creative specifically that you could do to start building a bridge for that person to understand who Jesus is. And so if you would like someone to pray with you for that individual, for some of you, there's people already popping into your head. If you would like to pray with someone for that individual, intercede with someone, the prayer team is gonna be up here to pray with you. And so we invite you forward. If you'd like to get alone with God and just have a moment where you're like, God, I need you to just get alone and I need you to help my concern. I need you to do that this morning. I would invite you not to be in a rush to get out of this place this morning, but that you would allow the Holy Spirit Spirit to break your heart and fill you with some creative thoughts. So Lord, I just pray that as we respond to you this morning, would we not be in a hurry to leave, but would we, as we enter your presence, would we become concerned about those in our lives that don't know you? And would you start to speak to us about the specifics of what you want us to do in order to put the first board in that bridge? bridge builders for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.